0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to a Recovery Court podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Recovery Court Professionals. I am your host, Marie Crossan. This podcast is a resource for recovery courts to provide them with information, inspiration, and illumination on topics of interest to them. You can access all of our podcast episodes on our website, as well as most other major podcast sites. If you have an idea for a podcast, please reach out to me at Marie.Crossin at T-A-R-C-P Today, we are talking to Ginger Wells, who is the hybrid lifeline coordinator for at least four counties south of Nashville. Thank you for agreeing to chat with us today, Ginger. Thank you. So the first thing I want to ask is about your title, because you are very clear that it is a hybrid lifeline coordinator position. So explain that to us. What does that mean?
1: So the hybrid lifeline coordinator means that I my job is to make sure the individuals who get you know, benefits don't lose their benefits if they become uh, addicted to drugs. So I'm just a resource to that community to make sure that everyone has the, the things that they need.
0: Okay. And then you also do the standard lifeline coordinator stuff. Which is about connecting people with recovery resources in the community, right? So with the
1: lifeline, lifeline is the same as um, only difference is with the hybrid lifeline, I'm able to transport those individuals who may need treatment. So I also use it in a lifeline role. But lifeline, we just connect people to mental health sense abuse wherever they may be, homelessness. I find myself doing a little bit of everything in my role. A lot people who call me from Florida, from Kentucky, Texas—I mean, uh, I send everybody across the world, wherever they may be. However, I feel, find a fit for that individual what their moment.
0: Do you find that a lot of folks you're able to find resources in your kind of region that you serve? Or are you often transporting people outside of your region?
1: So me being uh, a personal good experience, I try not to keep people inside of their community. So I take people out of their community, even though they don't, they, sometimes they don't realize what I'm doing. But I know for me being uh, a personal good experience, that just going outside of my community was best. Because now I get to learn different. It's better than my community.
0: That makes sense to me. So you told me a little bit earlier about how you got your job. Would you share how the job came to be for you?
1: So, in so 2017, I remember I found myself incarcerated November the first of 2017. So I would end up going to uh, Mary County Jail. I left Mary County Jail because I, I wrote a couple verses and uh, a five or six. So you send me to Lawrence County, a place I've never been. And so while I was in Lawrence County, I became the trustee. and When I became the outside trustee, people kept talking about rehabilitation or rehabs, you know, and they didn't have anything. So I ended up asking a lady that was coming in for church, I asked her for a resource, a list of halfway houses. And so she gave me a list. And so we began to get applications. And so they gave me stamps to make sure I could mail those out. And so I mailed those out. And so um, I remember writing my letters to recovery courts for the ladies that were in, uh, incarcerated in Lawrence County jail. And so I remember them telling me that I had to stop writing the letters because those individuals could not pronounce, spell, and give them the definition of the words. So I quit writing the letters, um, and so I still assisted them. So uh, it went on, and then I turned my scroll down. And so finally, I was um, sitting outside, and I was reading my Bible. At 12 p.m. at night, it well, was 12 a.m. at night, I would uh, read my Bible, and I was talking to God. And so this night I was talking, And God says, write your own letters to recovery court. So anyway, I ended up writing a letter to recovery court. Come to find out they never got it. So the letter of the experiment. Oh, yeah.
0: they, they never got
1: it. Never got it. Never got it. Uh, not at that time, anyway. She finally got it after I was accepted into recovery
0: gotcha. court. So needless to say, she
1: came down, um, the director of recovery court in the 22nd District, she came down and said that the DA wanted me to be in recovery court. And I'm thinking, you know what? i turned my parole down. So how I end up in recovery court. Uh I went home on my husband's birthday. Um my husband and got murdered a year before. And for me to go out on his birthday, it was kinda weird, but I was kinda I was thankful at the same time. Uh so I ended up in a treatment center in Nashville. And so while I was in the treatment center, one of the ladies that were coming in for church, uh, she called me and she said, Hey, I got a job for you and I want you to fill out for it. So I got to looking at him, I'm saying, hey, this is not gonna be for me. And she said, This is the same thing you did when you're incarcerated. So, needless to say, I ended up filing for the job. I graduated from Covered Court June 22nd of 2020, and then I applied. I had interviewed for this job on the 26th of June. And so, when I was interviewing the, the lady, uh, Mary Bergson and the director at that time, she called me and she said, hey, Ginger, well, forget that. So at one o'clock, I was supposed to have been there. I had just bought a brand new laptop. My laptop wouldn't work. And so my friend ended up helping me. And so me being an addict, and I have so many years of being in Costco, I didn't think they were going to give me to me So I almost talked myself out of it. So my phone rings and my friend says, hey. And I said, oh, no, I need you. So I ended up going to Spring Hill, and she helped me do my presentation. So I get there at one o'clock. One o'clock, they didn't interview me. Two o'clock, they didn't interview me. Three o'clock. So at two o'clock, I'm sitting on my hand and I hear God tell me to be still and know that I am God because I almost talked myself out of it.
0: So, you, know, you mean you're about to walk out? It's yes, like this isn't going to happen anyway, so why am I sitting here?
1: So, I'm talking myself down, and so I hear, I hear the Spirit say, Hey, you no, know, just be still. And so, at three o'clock, they interview me. Uh, they didn't even look at my presentation, you know, I was like, I did. I was just working on this presentation, and my face never looked at it. There. So, uh, needless to say, at three o'clock after I left about 3 3.20, the director called me and she says, hey, what are you doing? And I just said, I'm on my way back to Nashville. She said, to tried to catch you. So I said, did I leave something?" And she says, no. We want to know if you want this job. So I got the job and I went to to Knoxville and did my training in July the 7th of the, of the next month. The so,
0: um, certified peer support training? Uh, Is that what
1: uh, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Uh, A okay.
0: recovery
1: coach yeah, training yeah. in Knoxville. So I actually got some people out of the lifeline is that i was about to
0: be urgent. So you got to meet all of the other lifeline coordinators in the state in Knoxville, yeah. like almost as soon as you got Yeah, it's the same day. I mean they they they, they I and have open, it fast. Yes, they all
1: work with open arms. Yeah,
0: they're such a family, yes. right? I love them. I, I, I love think them. they're awesome. I love the camaraderie. It's really obvious. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I did not know that you did a recovery coach. Is that what all the lifeliners do? Yeah, they yeah, have, I, do. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How is that different from the certified peer piece?
1: Um, It's not much different. I mean, you know, we can't. We can't give any advice, but we can give suggestions. So, I mean, it's
0: not any different. Yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's cool, though. Okay. So, you found out about that job through that original connection Uh of the woman that you met while you were in jail. And that all kind of came back around in a somewhat short period of time. Right? Yes. It's pretty cool. So I also know that you've got the distinguished honor of being the first graduate of your recovery court. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your recovery court and where it's located and what that was like for you. So uh,
1: after I got a car and so I was able to come out and do everything I was supposed to do with recovery court. So it's the twenty second district. And so actually I was the only person they had and I was their first graduate in 2022.
0: So you went through recovery court by yourself? Oh, Okay. And so how long did it take you to graduate? 18 months. Okay. Very cool. Well, no wonder they all showed up to see you speak at the conference because they're so proud of you <laughs> as the first graduate. That's pretty cool. So how would you say that that program impacted your life?
1: Oh, well, because I had so many years of concentration and being in trouble. I did 16 years, 9 months, and 22 days. And for someone to finally give me a chance when I all my hope was gone, um, it's overwhelming and those people are still my support, you know. Um uh, Tamara Robinson is director and she and I talk almost every day. And I thank God for that because right now I should still be in I should be in prison right now. And now instead of me being in prison, I'm able to give back what was freely given to me. And it's a blessing. I'm more I'm, I'm than grateful and thankful, you know. So sometimes those works. And when I got my job, I was working at the courthouse. Can you imagine the felon opening the doors of the courthouse because you have a key? So, I mean, every day, if they ever look back on the videos, my legs are shaking. I mean, I'm doing the hallelujah shout. I mean, every time I'm opening the door, you know. So I'm grateful for that, for them believing in me. But had they not believed in me, I probably wouldn't be here.
0: You talked earlier about how you'd been in and out of incarceration many times mm-hmm. and had never been given a shot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What specifically did they do that had not ever happened before?
1: Uh, every time I've been in trouble, they wanted to send me to prison. And I know that I've never watched anything that it I've done, um, but it's made me a better person. Um, and, and I'm able to distinguish and I'm able to help the people that God has allowed me to help in my path, especially in, in my role now and in my job. because I'm able to define and even distinguish the characteristics of those individuals. And sometimes I tell them stuff that they don't even know about themselves, but they really know. And it's it's kind of weird when you put God into put, faith. but then nobody's ever given it a chance. All they ever that sounds a business society and nobody ever wanted to give me a chance. And when the 22nd gave me a chance, I, I was not letting them down, you know, the eight Brit Cooper says that he didn't think I would make it. You know, he says if you graduated, and I kept saying, "When I graduated," and I was, I was blessed to be able to go, and I am through recovery court There's no sanctions. You know, it's not that I, I did anything wrong; I just didn't get caught. But, uh, but I thank God for what I did.
0: That's pretty amazing, really. So, if you were talking to somebody that was thinking about, like, if you were visiting them in jail or whatever, and they were thinking about going to recovery court, what would you say to them?
1: Uh, recovery court changed my life. It saved my life
0: because I'm supposed
1: to be incarcerated. Right? I mean, there's no possible way that if you look at in my record and look at the things I've been through, especially in two thousand. 17 to 2018. I'm not supposed to be here. All that sentence was 15 years at 60, consecutive 15 at 100. That's 24 or more years to serve, so I'm not supposed to be sitting here with you. So recovery for saved my life. And the staff, um, I know the 22nd, I mean, they, they fought with me and they fought for me, and I wanted to give okay, up. They wanted to tell me to trust the process. And uh, I remember telling them that I wanted to go back to prison. I was like, just gas the bus up and send me back to prison. And they refused to let me deny myself of the things that I had. And so they saw something in me that I didn't see myself. And uh, and every recovery court that I spoke to, they have the members, the board, uh, the staff. I mean, they have a passion for those individuals who are trying to get their lives together. And all they want to do is see somebody succeed. And I think it's a great experience if anybody's ever able to go through it. I don't go through it if
0: I was a individual. That's So it does sound like, too, there were times that you were unsure. People think it's going to be easy or something. Oh, okay. It's not I'm easy, right? A lengthy process and lots of hard work. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I finally began to feel feelings because I is not as this last I on myself. And, um, and I got to the core issues of why I used, why I sold drugs, why was I so angry? And I began to forgive myself, and then I began to forgive other people. And, um, and I just had to do it for myself because I had been angry out of my life. You know? And, and I, almost, I almost had to live life in prison because I didn't want to let go of some stuff that hurt
0: Well, obviously, hearing you talk, the treatment piece and the therapeutic piece was big, and so was the spiritual piece for you, that was a major component of your recovery or recovery court process even, yes. right? Yes. Judge Allen,
1: he stands by, he loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. And, um, and outside of recovery, he loves people. And he makes sure that we know that God loves us. Not only does he love us, you know, Judge Allen was a virtue.
0: Yeah, he seems pretty special. So I remember seeing a picture of Judge Allen doing parking lot recovery court yes. <laughs> So yes. drive up recovery court. So I guess you did that quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a great picture. OK, so is there anything else you would say to a person who might be considering a recovery court that you didn't already say? No. I mean, I heard you say it will do you good mm-hmm. and they actually do care about yes, you and they, they want it. to help you succeed. I was my We didn't talk about this earlier, but I think this is a really good question to ask you. What does recovery look like for you now now that you have some time behind you and you've gone through recovery court and treatment and everything? What does it look like today?
1: So, October the 30th next year. Was years? Wow. And so I began Steps. It was a different place that I am now. So I need to make sure that my mental is still where it is. And I, it's a lot of things I still need to process. And so I still go to the conferences. I still do everything I'm supposed to do. Nothing's really changed. You know, I have two people who live in my home. And, and so I make sure that I I live by example. You know, sometimes we can fire the talk, but we don't walk the walk. And so I make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to because you never know who's watching you so that's just the part that, that I picked up in recovery is integrity because uh, somebody sees you somewhere drunk or somewhere high. I mean, they can't believe in you, but it's not going to work. You know, she's a liar. And so I want to make sure that I'm not that person that I see in the of
0: other people. Yeah. Integrity would be a big one. Yeah. Oh, that's a, definitely some step work. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you think people should know, especially somebody who, Maybe it's even struggling themselves and here's this podcast. The first thing is admitting. You know,
1: a lot of times we say we can do this ourselves and we can't. And we need to make sure that people people are losing, losing their lives daily because of overdose, you know. And you don't have to. I mean, you matter. So if there if you need some help, I mean Lifeline is here to help you. I mean there's a lot of people that are here to help you in in, in your point to get back to wherever you need to be.
0: I think that's a good point, too, because Lifeline coordinators basically are all over the state of Tennessee. They cover the state. You can go to the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services website and find the map and find phone number. But even if you call just any of the Lifeline coordinators, not even in your own region, they would connect you with wherever yes. you needed to go, right? Yes. So great yeah. about that. There's definitely plenty of people that would gladly help anybody who needed yes. some treatment. Okay. Is there anything else? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate you talking to me, Ginger, your story. We could spend so much more time than we actually have on a podcast because your story is incredible. It really is. And I'm certainly grateful that you're here. I'm I can excited. tell you that. So anyway, thank you to Ginger for speaking with us today. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent TARCP. If you haven't already, connect with us on social media, on our Facebook page, on Twitter at TADCPTN.org, on Instagram, or check out our website at www.TARCP.org. To the Recovery Court folks listening, and that includes all those community partners like the treatment provider that Ginger participated in. (laughs) recovery courts work because of you. So until next time.